Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru, or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Sharia compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Sharia side on our website. Inshallah, today I'm going to be talking about one of the verses on the ayat of riba in Surah Ali Imran. And for those of you who've never been to one of these before, we have a weekly tafsir session, which is designed to be about 15-20 minutes long tops. And the idea is just to give us a bit of a refresher on our iman, and also to talk about particularly the economics and finance aspects of the Quran. And we go through it and we pick out those verses that are relevant for these themes to give us, I guess, a bit of a reminder of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this stuff as well because it's important to keep our spirituality at a really high level whenever we talk about stuff to do with money. So inshallah today we're going to be talking about the four verses from Surah Ali Imran which talk about the riba and interest. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَأْكُلُوا الرِّبَاءَ ضَعَافًا مُضَاعَفًا وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ وَاتَّقُوا النَّارَ الَّتِي عِدَّتْ لِلْكَافِرِينَ وَأَطِيعُوا اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَجَنَّةٍ عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ أُعِدَّتْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, O believers, do not consume interest, multiplying it many times over, and be mindful of Allah so you may prosper, and guard yourselves against the fire prepared for the disbelievers. Obey Allah and the Messenger so you may be shown mercy, and hasten towards forgiveness from your Lord, and a paradise as vast as the heavens and the earth, prepared for those mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a set of verses that is talking about riba, fundamentally how riba is a bad thing. It equates riba 
to uh, disbelief and it equates riba to someone who's going to be punished in the hellfire and it says that if you want mercy then this is not the kind of stuff you want to be up to and if you want to be obeying Allah and his messenger then riba is not the kind of stuff that you want to be up to and then finally for those who then do sort themselves out and get all of these prerequisites sorted then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be someone who will forgive and there is a vast vast paradise that awaits people who do that. So that's kind of like a high level summary. I want to make a few interesting points that I came across when I was reading some of the tafsir around this topic. One really interesting point was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he's talking about the battle of Uhud during Ali Imran at this point and then he almost it seems randomly turns towards the ayat of riba it's like whoa what happened there i don't really understand that and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he does this this is the second time he's done it in the quran he's already done it in surah baqarah as well and what's interesting here to think about is like why does this happen and i think that there's probably two or three things uh, that lie at the heart of this the first thing is that the munafiqeen that were causing a lot of problems um, during the battle of Uhud, the munafiqeen, they really don't want to die, right? They really value their life and it's precious to them. But the one thing that is a lesser of an ask is your wealth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's saying that, okay, well, you know, if you're, I'm asking you to sacrifice your life, at least show that you can sacrifice your money because that's potentially an easier thing to do, but it's equally something that you should show that you need to, that you are able to do. So that's one interesting way of thinking about it. And the Munafiqeen ultimately, why did they rebel when it comes to the orders to fight? They rebelled because that they have a love of dunya in their hearts, right? Fundamentally. And the love of dunya is not just to do with life itself, but also to do with money. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's really challenging the Muslim, Muslimin to show that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger are dearer to the Muslimin than the love of this dunya. And then the really interesting observation here that one of the Mufassirin he made was that Qital fighting riba and infaq and spending in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So fighting, spending in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and riba, interest, are all mentioned together twice in the Quran. And this is my observation, it's not kind of a hadith or anything. And the Mufassirin, they have their own thoughts and tadabburs on the Quran as well. And I'd love to hear your thoughts as well, perhaps after this, on why you think that this may be. And my thoughts on this are that fighting and standing up for justice, uh, infaq and spending in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fighting against riba are three essential building blocks on which the community is formed. And the first section, you know, the first, you know, I would say seven or eight Jews of the Quran are all Madani surahs. They're all talking about rules and regulations and community building and establishing a quote-unquote safe space and an Islamic space for Muslims to inhabit. The important pillars of that, therefore, are the things that the first you know, verses of the Quran, the first surahs of the Quran talk about. If you think about that, like, why is that the case? Qital, you can kind of understand that. Okay, justice, you want to, like, uh, protect and, you know, politically become stronger. But then what about infaq and riba? Infaq, you can even kind of understand, like, you know, charity is obviously an important part of uh, making sure that you're directing resources to people who need it. And that's going to be important. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum So it's important to make sure that you're giving charity to the right people at the right time and making sure that they're taking over nicely. 
The second thing when it comes to community building is riba, right? And so riba is, and you, you might be thinking, how is this community building? Well, if you think about the function of riba, that's what wherein lies the secret because riba is used as a form of debt financing for various different means, particularly business means, right? Where you're looking to set up a business and you might take out a loan and that's the way that you then establish your business and you grow and you leverage that. But Islam typically doesn't really like you to be leaning on interest-based debt in particular as a way to finance business. And the philosophical point here is that you know, if you are lending money to someone, then your contractual obligation with that person is that they're going to give you that money back and with a bit of interest. You don't particularly care what they're going to do with that money. And that means that your level of diligence will likely be lower than if you are actually investing directly in the results of what they're up to. So now if you, for example, compare between, you know, someone investing in that business versus someone, you know, just giving a loan, the person investing would investigate a lot more deeply into the ins and outs of the business because they realize that they now have skin in the game and it's kind of up to the business to succeed if they're going to succeed. And the likelihood is that they wouldn't give the money to those businesses that they don't think will succeed. Whereas a person lending the money, he may be like, okay, well, I don't, I'm not sure if the business will succeed, but I have a guarantee or I have a mortgage over that person's house. So he's going to have to sell his house to pay me back anyway. So I don't particularly care if he succeeds or not. And the, what happens with the overall economy, if that kind of attitude prevails, is that you have lots of economic activity, you've got lots of entrepreneurship going on, but it isn't rigorously diligenced, it's not rigorously analysed whether or not it's good things, good stuff to be happening. And you might have a whole load of people doing stuff that is fundamentally not that useful or that profitable. And that's a waste of economic activity in the long run. So it's much better to have you know high levels of diligence built into the way that you actually finance economic activity. And a practical example of this could be seen in the global financial crisis, where you know the, one of the root causes of the global financial crisis was subprime mortgages. So these are really bad, you know, not high quality mortgages were being given to people who probably shouldn't have had mortgages in the first place. But banks were happy to do that because they knew that they could then package up that debt and sell it to other people and get rid of it. And actually, that meant that the more debt they issued, the more mortgages they issued, the better it was for their bottom line because they could you know, package all of that up and sell it on. Um, and it's nothing to do with them. They're not really that interested anymore in how that mortgage performs. And so, you know, that kind of divorce, that kind of distance from the actual economic activity that is taking place is precisely the sort of thing that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to avoid when we are banned from taking riba. Because the natural implication of that is if you're not going to take riba, you're going to go for one of two options. One is a qard hasan, which is a really profound and, you know, incredibly um, sacred institution within Islamic law, um, where you just give an interest-free loan. And the, or the second is that you give an equity investment into, into the company itself. And obviously, that would be, you know, the prevailing standard at that point. That's my kind of take on why I think that qital and infaq and riba all come together. The other thing I think came to me was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he enjoins people to give charity, but only after he says to them, stop taking riba. 
you want to make sure that your money is pure and purified before you then actually start spending out of it. That's not to say, by the way, that I'm saying, you know, don't spend money, but I'm saying that it's an interesting ordering of the priorities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts in front of us. Really practically speaking now, if you look at the debt that there is in this world, it has an incredibly crippling effect on ordinary folks. So, you know, the people who do best out of debt are typically those who are wealthy and those who have their position closest to the levers of power. So whenever economies suffer and a whole lot of debt is issued into the economy by governments, typically who benefits is uh, the city and the financiers, and they end up, you know, uh, making even more money and people end up losing out. If you really zoom out, why is that the case? Like, you know, the way that our money is created is through the creation of debt. And so if a person wanted to actually pay off all the debt in this world, there isn't technically enough money in this world right now to pay off that debt. So we are in this constant spiral of having to create more money in order to pay off this never-ending ballooning debt that we have. And there are companies and countries that are caught in this vicious cycle where they are just completely bamboozled with, with and ensnared by debt, which is you know an incredibly horrible thing um, when it gets out of hand. And then the other interesting observation is on the personal finance side of things, you have uh, £60,000 worth of debt per household in the UK. Uh, that's including mortgages. And then you've got £4,000 of unsecured debt per person in the UK now, which is, you know, we have got rid of slavery, right? And uh, people often talk about slavery as, you know, this great thing that the West has managed to overcome. And yet we still have debt. And if someone has a debt over you, then for anyone in this call who's ever had an aggressive or threatening legal letter in relation to something that you owe someone or some, you know, some organization, you know that the stress that causes, um, the mind and the headspace that that takes up, and the months and years that that can take to go through uh, the court system, you know, debt is something that is, it's really, if you think about it, the yoke that is still around the necks of so many ordinary folks around the world. And so, you know, this injunction to fight against riba is something that, you know, there is a huge amount of wisdom behind it. Um, and we should be encouraging each other to try and get out of debt as quickly as possible and, you know, avoid haram interest-based um, financing as much as we possibly can, of course, um, because that all feeds into it. The final thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that I wanted to mention is that, you know, if you do all of this, if you really want, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't say things without reason. He says that do not consume interest, multiplying it many times over and be mindful. Like if you want to be prosperous, then you better do this, right? So who doesn't want to be prosperous? If you want to really have falah, if you really want to have success, then you should do this. Um, if you really want to avoid the fire and you want to avoid being in the same bracket as the disbelievers, then you better avoid interest. If you really want to obey Allah and his messenger and you want to be shown mercy, then you should avoid interest and you should change your ways. And if you want to get that forgiveness and you know this is the way that you hasten towards Allah's forgiveness and his paradise, 
is by giving up interest. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is stacking up the benefits and the rewards and the carrots that come from giving up interest. So I'll stop there. Uh, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us all to his path and to purify our incomes as, you know, to the purest they possibly can be and to help the Muslim ummah as a whole become an ummah that helps bring more justice and a more just uh, economic and financial system to the world as a whole, um, that such that, you know, the world looks to the Muslims and thinks, wow, that's a really, really powerful, moral, just economic system. And look how the ordinary man in the Muslim lands is, you know, he is not oppressed. Uh, and we become an inspiration for the rest of the world. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.